But stop complaining about your listeners. All right. Oh, no. We just went live. Begin PodFix Network transmission. In three, two, one. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean, casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. It's a podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fish Nerds, a show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. Show that's always interesting, usually funny, and mostly true. I'm Clay Groves, licensed fishing guide, your best friend, and now Mr. Mount Washington Valley. I won a beauty pageant, so I am kind of a big deal. I have a crown and a scepter. So, and tonight's show, big show tonight, we're going to go in fast too because I've got a very special guest, Mr. Andrew Lewin from Canada. Uh, and he is the host and founder of the Speak Up the Ocean Blue podcast and our friend. We like him even though he's Canadian. Hi, Andrew. <laughs> you got to like me more because I'm Canadian, don't more. you? Isn't that the whole thing? We're <laughs> supposed to be friendly. The nicest people on <laughs> earth in Canada. So Nicest people on earth. Yeah. How are you? Can't get vaccinated, but we're the nicest people on earth. You didn't get your vax yet? <laughs> no, you guys keeping. You guys are keeping them all. I got I got mine a long time ago. I am. I've been licking doorknobs yeah. and having kissing booths. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're still waiting for ours. Our uh, AstraZeneca. Is that what they call it? Is that how they mm-hmm. pronounce it? Yeah, the one that gets uh, tumors. Yeah. Yeah, they got they got kibosh kibosh from anybody who was under 55. So all of a sudden they decided we're not gonna we're not gonna give it. But that's all right. We'll, we'll wait. I can wait. I'm, I'm it, it'll come soon enough. We're we're on the exactly. back end of things. But we're not here to talk about that because no. I can't even think of a connection between fish and those vaccines right now. But we're here to talk about the the giant uh, Netflix, Netflix uh, drop of Seaspiracy. This thing came down a week ago and has blown up the internet and split people in weird directions. People who are usually friends now hate each other all because of Seaspiracy. So we're going to talk about that documentary tonight. I'm excited about this. It, I, I'm excited too. It's taken over my life for the past week and a half. I'm going to tell you that right now. Yeah, it's funny. I never heard of it until you until yeah. you mentioned it, and I'm like, oh, I better watch this thing and see what what the deal is. So, uh, I want to let you lead this discussion because you've been so deep into it. Oh man! Um, but I probably and I probably should have planned this ahead. This will be an edit point here. This is how we roll here at the Fish Nerds Podcast. Absolutely. Um, but I should probably read the description of Sea Spiracy so people know what we're talking about. And if you haven't seen Sea Spiracy, don't. Uh, no, I think you should. I, I, yeah? think you should. I don't know. Yeah, you know, maybe I'll do this. Maybe uh, there must be a trailer for it, right? Yeah, I, I think know. there is. I was actually going to do a live where I was going to watch the whole thing, but I don't oh, know if I could show it. I don't know if I could show the whole thing. I don't know. Like the either. whole movie and just crit- critique it the whole way through. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to. Can you hear yeah. it? My name is Ali. Alley. I've been oh, fascinated with the ocean for as long as I can remember. But this romantic vision that I always had of the ocean completely changed. I was forced to confront a side of the story I never knew. A story of just how huge our impact on the seas had become. Where are the big environment groups? They are deliberately not engaging with the most important issue of all. Can you turn off the cameras? Thanks. Would you say there's any safety concerns for me making this film? Oh, 
the safety concerns are serious, ignore them at your risk. If you're getting in the way of their business, you are risking your own life. The slaughter of these dolphins is a reaction to the overfishing that's happening. We hear a lot about blood diamonds. This is blood shrimp. We are at war with the oceans, and if we win this war, we're going to lose it all because mankind is not able to live on this planet with the Dead Sea. I just don't see how you could possibly enforce sustainable fishing laws with all these boats. The same syndicates that are behind illegal fishing are the same criminal groups that are behind drug trafficking, human trafficking, and other crimes. So there's no slavery going on? No, no. Business, eh? It's business. If you want to address climate change, the first thing you do is protect the ocean. And the solution to that is very simple. Leave it alone. Most of the positive and negative things that bring about change in human civilization start with someone. Someone. All right, very, very dramatic. That's Seaspiracy. And I'm going to tell you my first instinct when I see anything like that with the title, that is a a, a bad play on, on words. I, I think of things like pandemic and things people have said about the uh, pandemic. I, I'm, automatically, I'm out. I immediately know I'm being manipulated and I'm going to be giving a lot of dramatic information that starts off factual and then crosses over into into drama or my, my computer's talking at me i can hear an ad <laughs> is that sponsorship <laughs> that's not my sponsor <laughs> so so whenever i see a title like seaspiracy and I, I i immediately get defensive i immediately think there's something going on here they're trying to make me do something i don't want to do or you know i i, I it just it turns me off for sure. Uh, and I actually heard one author say, why didn't they just go with conspiracy and just spell it S-E-A at the end? It would have been so much easier to say other than <laughs> C-spiracy is difficult to say. And I've said it a number of times in the last week and a half, but conspiracy would have been a better play on words is what I heard. Yeah. Either heard- way, either way, um, it's it, it, you're right. It, it all of a sudden you're like, I'm, I'm already worried about this. Cause anytime, anytime you hear conspiracy or seaspiracy, you can, you hear a conspiracy theory mm-hmm. and to be a conspiracy theorist right now shows that you have, you don't have the right facts. You are making a lot of assumptions. You are getting uh, information from uh, secondhand if, or third hand or fifth hand or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make you feel good. Yeah, and, and this and and so right away my first impression is negative, and then I I it's funny I, I started watching it last night, and uh, I watched the first five minutes and I saw you were hosting a clubhouse discussion yeah. on it, so I thought you know what I'm going to pause the movie and get in, but <laughs> my first impression of the first five minutes was was I, I I if I wasn't reviewing or talking about this movie with you today, I would have turned it off in the first five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the heart, same thing. It's not moving hearts and minds no. at all. I think it's it's really a preaching to the choir, at least in the opening scene. It's like you're already on that concept in your brain. You're going to love it. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, the first for me, the first like I watched it in segments because I, I was getting angry 
I was actually like, my wife was like, I'm not sure it's a good idea that you finish this movie. And I'm just <laughs> like, and, and we'll, we'll get into why, but, and you heard it in the, in the, you heard it a little bit in, in the, the trailer, you know, where he's talking to, and, and it's hard to tell because it's a trailer, but he's talking to a, a former fishery slave, which is a serious issue, obviously, but he's talking to him and he, and you hear him kind of be like, am I in, tr- like, am I in big trouble if I film this? How much danger am I in filming mm-hmm. this? What about the guy who has to live there after you leave? Right. Like this guy the truth it- is this rich 22 year old English kid is not in any danger. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Like he, he go, he goes home back to wherever he lives and he's going to be comfortable. Meanwhile, these guys, you know, they, they know who they are. They like, they're in, they're in very much danger when we don't hear what happened to them and, and, and we don't find out. Um, but even within the first, within the first 15 minutes, uh, I equate it to what, what happened in the first 15 minutes essentially is he almost went through all of the old documentaries but he mm-hmm. made it like he was discovering. So he first starts off being like, and you heard in the trailer, I love the ocean. I have this, this connection to the ocean, which all documentaries start off that way. But then I realized I discovered all these things. And he goes, you know, he starts off with some of the video from SeaWorld being like, I love seeing these oceans. They're so these, these orcas, they're so intelligent, blah, blah, blah. Then he moves on to the, to then he goes, then I see these dolphins dying and he goes on to the cove. And then like, he goes back to SeaWorld, which is a little bit of blackfish. And then he goes into the tuna fishing industry and fishing and that's end of the line. And it's almost like, it's, it's like a young, it's like he didn't do his literature search, but his documentary search, that's what he didn't do. So when, when a, when a scientist does their, say they do a PhD or they do like a graduate student does a master's or a PhD or any kind of project you do, you have to do a literature search. Like you, you can't get away with it just to find out everything. And if you don't do it properly, all the old scientists that did the research and you're trying to claim that you, you're the first one to discover this, they get angry. That's exactly what happened in the first 15 minutes of this movie. Well, not to mention, I mean, it sets him up as if he's some sort of like hero uh, traveler that he's going to find out something that no one's ever seen before. The white shining knight. Oh, he, uh, definitely a white shining knight. <laughs> yeah, I think you nailed that perfectly. Uh, so, and, and and another thing I found too was even the very very beginning, I found the film to be unfocused. Yes, I didn't see I didn't see an arc. No, I just saw one. You know what it reminded me of? You go back and watch from the 1990s all of the um, videos that are put out by PETA to get you to stop eating meat. Mm-hmm. You know, the slaughterhouse videos. That's what it reminded me. It was, just, it was like PETA propaganda. And, and watching the movie, he wasn't wrong about everything. No. There's a lot no, of no. atrocities happening that we should be aware of and should be talking about. And looking at our fishing practices should be discussed openly and heavily. But, but I think he did it in a way that was really only going to engage people who already are vegans or on the edge of becoming a vegan. Um, because he really wasn't talking about stopping eating seafood. No. He was talking about all animal proteins. All animal. He basically said it's the same thing as, I mean, the same makers of this movie created Cowspiracy. So at the end of that, they Wait said- There's a movie called Cowspiracy? Oh, have you not heard it? Yeah. So it's just, that's how Seaspiracy came across. They're not the even same trying. Oh no, they're not even trying. That's what the the, that's what the, cons- the guy who said conspiracy would have been a better better name, but it fits yeah. the brand. Yeah. So he basically, you know, they, 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 you know, quote unquote, 
um, settled that, that factory farms and all agriculture, they did the same thing with Cowspiracy, basically painting a complex, like painting a simple solution for a very complex uh, issue. You know, when you have farming, there's good farming and there's bad farming. Obviously, factory farms, not good for the environment, not good for the, the animals, not good for us. You have proper agricultural farming, you have proper like cattle ranchers and, and, and people like that. That's, that is, it's sustainable. It's properly done. It's not contributing to, um, uh, to climate change and so forth. So, but they basically said the same conclusion is you can't, you can't trust farms. You can't trust fishing anywhere. There's the, the conclusion was there's no such thing as sustainable fish. Cause you know why Paul Watson said so from sea shepherd. And we always have to trust in Paul Watson. Uh, and, and I'm saying that sarcastically. Right. Uh, and, and, and so that was the, the overall conclusion was you can't trust fisheries. None of them sustainable. We have to stop eating fish. And because we have to stop eating meat, you might as well become vegan. That was the message. A lot of people got the, the problem you, and you, you hit the nail right on the head is they're taking a complex issue and they're putting a simple solution on it. You can't do all the problems in fisheries and try and solve them all in, in an hour and a half or however long the movie was. It's, it's impossible to do at best. It could have been a 10 part series, oh. you know, and even then you're, you're not doing the, the, the issues justice. Well, I mean, they, they, what they, I think you're right on the money on that one because the issues on this, they went from, you know, whaling problems, which we all agree are bad um, to, to, to fishing for salmon, farm salmon, um, like trawlers and sea turtles. It was so many issues they tried to pack into an hour and a half. It didn't all, for me, it didn't all stick together in a coherent messaging. No. You know, it just didn't, it didn't no. work. Uh, he did nail it on the head though. He did say there's no solid definition for sustainable fishing that everyone agrees to. True. And, and that is true. And that is a problem in the industry. Yeah. Um, the conclusion, by the way, I'm going to skip to the end just a little bit here. We'll come back and forth. I'm, I'm sure this conversation, but he, he kind of beat up this concept of nobody has a definition for sustainability. And then in the very like last five minutes, he said, I guess sustainability is we can just keep killing fish forever and always have fish to keep killing. And I thought, yeah, that's sustainability. You nailed it. Yeah, you're the first one to do it in a film where you said it couldn't be done. Yeah, you've done it, and that is it. Because if you can keep doing it, and it never runs out. You're yeah. sustainable. That's the definition. For sure. For sure. So I was kind of happy with that. I don't. I don't think he sees the irony in his no <laughs> in his conclusion uh, for what it was. But. No, because he he felt he hit his narrative. Right. Well, and he, he and kind of he did. Like he he hit his narrative. He basically did all these issues, summed them all up. Everything whaling was because of lack of fisheries, fisheries, slaves, and poverty was because of the commercial fishing that was going on. Mm -hmm. Everything was tied to, he tied everything to fisheries, whether it was correct or not. Now you did mention he did have some, um, some truce in there, but they were so entangled with all of these, like these, this misinformation and misdirection and well, and false facts and that that's very very common it. in conspiratorial talk. Yeah, you start with something that is very provable and factual. We all agree on this title, this thing, and we say therefore these other things must also be true. Exactly. You see that with every conspiracy theory out there, it's a false narrative, a false comparison, and and every single conspiracy theorist does it. 
Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what this movie did do. It divided activists and scientists. Well, yes, I I was shocked. I was shocked because last night in your clubhouse meeting, you had a lot of very friendly at the beginning, friendly vegan activists and friendly scientists all having a friendly conversation um, they didn't get any of my jokes. Um, no, they didn't. I was laughing. Not, I could not make a single person <laughs> smile in that clubhouse meeting. Um, they just like. I was, was one, smiling. There was one woman who says she was trying to go with, with no waste for a full year, and I said that's fantastic because I've been trying to waste everything for a year. <laughs> and she goes, "Why would you do that?" Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "You don't know Clay. He's oh, being sarcastic. I wrong promise." Audience, wrong audience. I forgot that vegans can't. Well, she's not, she wasn't even the, while well, she was a vegan, but she was a scientist too. I just don't think she yeah. got your joke, but it was hilarious. No. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 you know, the, the, the talk yesterday was interesting and, and I do it on purpose where I let everybody have their, their talk. Now, normally I do, I hold it every Tuesday. Everybody's welcome. Uh, but the, the funny thing is, is usually like maybe at most eight people show up throughout mm-hmm. like an hour. This ran for the, this ran for three hours. Mm-hmm. I finally had to stop because I was like, guys, I got to go to bed. It's midnight. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, and and I, I there must have been at least 40 to 50 people that came through through that. At one point, I had about a dozen people uh, on the uh, on the thing and on, on the speaker stage. If you do, if you know what Clubhouse, um, there's the audience, there's the speakers and so forth. And I was trying to moderate and it was difficult because people just kept talking, like just interrupting. And usually what the process is, you you bring a new person on, you have them speak for a little bit, have their opinion. Then every once in a while, they'll chime in. But we had some some people who were passionate, I'm going to say, oh, yeah. and and respectful. Um, but it got like there were some people whose voices were were raised and who kept we had we had a lot of a lot of vegan the the talk the C Spearcy the the name just the title attracted a lot of people who were vegan mm-hmm. and I think they wanted to defend veganism and and essentially the conclusion that they had and we'll get more into the movie in a second I guess but the conclusion that they had was that this like Netflix is is you know mostly like Western. It, this movie was designed for Western nations and for people of quote unquote privilege who have the uh, the the choice to choose vegan diets. And everybody who can should be. Now later on, the arguments got to and 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 there are people who are saying this that well why can't we just stop fishing? Like wouldn't that replenish everything? Well of course, but there are tools and I and and I try to talk about the different tools and, and everything. And it just got, it, it went back and forth quite a bit. Um, obviously a lot of us had to agree to disagree in, in certain situations. Uh, and it was, it, it got very passionate. People were respectful. Nobody they called were. each other names and, and it didn't get personal. Um, and it was a good discussion. But when I, when I left the discussion after clay, I was like thinking to myself, I'm like, this is like, if the point of the movie was to, with a lot of people said the point of them, because one of them, one person came on and said, she's a friend of this Ali guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know him personally. I don't know who he is. It's the first time I've ever really seen him. I never really saw Cowspiracy. Um, and I was like, okay, so, so she's like this, I know this guy, he wanted the, the whole point was not to drive home a solution or one solution or be a roadmap, obviously, because he didn't know what he was talking about, but <laughs> he wanted people to discuss. I'm like, sure. And my, my point was, 
he got him discussing, but the problem is scientists are discussing, but we're defending what you did, what the, he did to people in this film. Mm-hmm. He threw scientists under the bus. He said that he went after organizations that had nothing to do with fisheries. Right. Right. And he basically said, people aren't doing enough and everybody, and everybody's the same. Like he, he went after, and I guess we can talk about like for the movie, he, he went after some interviews, some yes. interviews, like he did well, some this interviews. This was the part that got me going the most yeah. too, was these interviews because now I, I've, I've done a lot of interviews and what his style of interviewing was, was Horrible. asking the question and then feeding the answers in a manipulative way to the person he's asking the questions to. Yeah. And it's they like don't he know went, where he's going with the interview. Yeah. It's like he went to the school. It's like he went to the interviewing school of Tucker Carlson. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like you asked like the obvious questions, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, would you rather live or die? Well, if you want to live, you got to do it this way. You know, that's essentially what he was saying. Do you want, you know, healthy oceans or do you want non-healthy oceans? Well, if you want healthy oceans, why aren't you doing something about fisheries? And and, and you can tell the interviews were cut. You can tell that sure. they were manipulated. Um, some scientists didn't even know what they were, like that it was part of a movie or didn't even know what the movie was about. Now, there's a couple of things with that. One, if you're a scientist, always know what the movie is about and always have a say in what you're doing. Right, get a contract. Yeah, but the other the other side of it is this guy did it on purpose. He went after the narrative that he wanted. He went after, so he went after the Earth Island Institute. The Earth Island Institute is a funding agency and it has projects. What it does, the, the actual, the whole point of the organization is to provide um, administrative services for people who want to have um, a, a nonprofit, but not do the charity work. Like, so not have to do the charity paperwork because I love it's a that. lot. Right? I love that. That's the best thing I've ever heard. Exactly. So the what you do money is- money is awful. It, it, it is true. And so yeah. you get the charitable tax status. So if somebody donates to your project, you get the charitable tax status and they take a percentage, right? And you agree on the percentage and stuff. There are a lot of organizations that are like that. We have Tides Canada in, in Canada, Ocean Foundation in the US, Earth Island Institute is more of a worldwide thing. But what they do is they do a lot of sponsoring of students and graduate students and so forth. But what the, one of the projects is um, a dolphin safe law, like dolphin, uh, it was a dolphin safe tuna label, right? Right. So essentially you see that on, on a lot of the tuna that you get, the canned tuna that you get. And the idea of the label is that um, or, uh, industry, fisheries industries that are in the tuna game will pay the label to be part of this certification, just like a B Corp, which is supposed to be environmentally, socially, and economically responsible, will pay the organization of a B Corp to be a part of the B Corp and they do an auditing process. So they basically pay to have a third party do an auditing process. And the idea of that third party is to remain neutral. Right. So if you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing, then you don't get certified. And that is part of the agreement when you pay to be a part of this. The problem was, is that he was like, well, how do you, can you, can you tell me for sure that there are no dolphins killed in the tuna industry? And this guy was being honest. He's like, no, I can't. It's not perfect. I'm going to tell you that right now. And then all of a sudden he, he's like, we have fisheries observers. So that means there's a person, a scientist that's on a ship that is observing what is being caught. And their, their, like their job, their primary job is to record everything that's being caught and put it in, like give it into a government body. 
Right. right. In the US, they do it all the time. In Canada, we do it all the time. It's usually a third party, like a consulting firm or something like that. They work on behalf of the government and they by go the way, on I, fisheries. By the way, I know people who've had that job and apparently it's 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 an awful oh, yeah. work environment. The fishing people do not, you know, say fishermen, aggressive, do not like the scientists on their boats. No. And I've covered a lot of stories on my podcast. About, well, there's in your, internationally, there have been people who have just un, up and disappeared, basically been thrown overboard or killed. Um, there have been people in Canada. There was a big expose in Canada on the West Coast of um, captains and uh, f- fishing uh, fishing fleets that have been intimidating, uh, threatening uh, fisheries observers. So it's not an easy job. But essentially what happened in this interview, uh, the guy who interviewed, I forget his name, the guy who did the interview was like, yeah, well, f- well, fisheries observers can be bribed. Right. And so he just went it. So he's like, so they can be bribed. So basically the earth, and he, he went right to that conclusion. That basically the earth Institute is taking money from the fishing industry to give them these proper labels and lying to them. So they're supporting the fishing industry. Well, it, and implying that because one could be bribed, they're all being bribed. And saying to get that label on, it's basically a licensing label that you're buying the label, not buying certification. And I think that implication is a pretty big one. And he didn't give any anything to back that up. Not nothing. He just basically went off that interview. This guy said it, so it must be true. And they're they're like Earth Island Institute is worth nothing. That's right. basically but, what they but, said. But it is true. They can be bribed. One one per a a, per, a human being can be bribed. It is of possible. Course. Doesn't yeah. mean it's happening. No, nope. it might be happening. It's probably mm-hmm. happening somewhere, mm-hmm. but that's not evidence. Just because one could bribe someone doesn't mean they are no. being bribed. I well, could be and, bribed, and know? even even yeah. that, like just the idea of a fisheries observer, mm-hmm. could be an entire movie in itself. The oh, problems, yeah, it would be a very interesting. There would be controversy. There would be controversy. Uh, there would be like there's murder. There's disappearances. Yeah. There's yeah. mysteries. Like. I did a whole episode on on the guy that they covered in there that literally did, he was an American that disappeared off the coast of Peru, and he had evidence, damning evidence, uh, that supported that the the boats that he was on were up to no good, and he wanted to expose them. And they must have they the conclusion was the FBI was involved, and they basically said the conclusion was they basically probably found the evidence the the Fishers did and threw him overboard. Yeah, right killed him and threw him overboard. That's that's the only thing that they could think of because nobody was saying anything. Nobody. They said, I don't know what happened to him. He just uh, just disappeared. He must have jumped. You know, <laughs> like it's just, and so just an, just an episode or a movie, an hour and a half movie on that would have shed light into how complex just being a fishery observer is in the oh, US, yeah. in Canada, in Western countries, internationally. You know, it, you could just had on that. That or focus on the whaling with the beginning of the movie where they Absolutely. opened up with that whaling they were doing in, was that Japan? Yeah, in Taiji, yeah. yeah. Taiji. The cove, but the cove did that. The yeah. cove did that. You could have watched the cove and you would have had all the information there. That's true. That's true. Now, I, last night in your discussion on the clubhouse meeting, I, I wanted to bring this up. Your your, your friend, uh, is it Jason? Uh, your, yes. He was talking about, he was like, well, why? I, he said something about, just everyone should stop eating fish. And I chimed in and I said, that's not even a realistic sentence. No. Like, have you, and, and I said, this is, it's so impractical and so impossible. And he was like, why is it impossible? And then and he, he didn't want the answer. He wanted to give his answer why it's possible. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to point out was that there's, there's, he's talking worldwide, everyone just stop eating fish. And that ignores the fact that we have 
a giant world <laughs> with so many different kinds of people, so many different kinds of cultures, and it's just not a thing that can that can even happen. Now, I even got in trouble two years ago because I I yelled at Jap the Jap Japanese people for whaling. They were doing those whaling mm -hmm. things in the cove every couple of years, and I said, I don't care what your culture is. Whaling, we can all agree on, is bad. Just stop it. And I got reported to Patreon for, um, for for inducing hate against Asian people. Mm. They're saying I don't care about your culture. Culture is the worst reason to do things forever. Right. You know when you know it's bad, stop it. Yeah. Um, and I got reported <laughs> for doing that. Well, and and, 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 and again, like hatred. That's just me saying stop killing whales. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's difficult to have uh, an opinion on because. Like I, I, so I just did an interview over the weekend for another project uh, for the podcasting. I'll eventually release that that interview, a couple of interviews uh, that I did with some Canadian fishermen. Oh, uh, these were lobster fishermen. Yeah, they were. <laughs> these were lobster fishermen. But I remember talking about the one guy. He's a generational fisherman, right? So he's like fourth generation fisher. Uh, he started when he was seven. He started fishing when he's seven, and um, and he said he goes he goes. You know, a lot of people just think it's a career. But he goes, this is a lifestyle. He goes, I do it. Like, and he goes, and I take pride in it. And he goes, I want to make sure that my kids' grandkids are able to fish. So I am not going to overfish. I'm going to make sure that we were doing everything possible. And that whole entire interview was talked about how he's trying to, they, they like his union basically hired, they have a science branch and they continue to ensure that, like, look at sustainability and look at the populations and look at what we're doing. And and so we had a whole conversation on that and knowing that, like having those conversations with, with fishers, which I think is extremely important to, and, and to understand that it is a way of life. It is not just something they do for greed. It is what they, it's, they, they live, they breathe, they eat it. They talk about it all of mm -hmm. the time. It is the lifestyle. And they're just not going like, like to watch this movie and then tomorrow go, you know what? I'm a vegan. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, and it's just, it's not going to happen. I mean, it, it is a way of life for them that they've done for more than two or three, maybe even four generations. And and I think what what what's happening is a lot of the people, so, so there's a couple of things happening here. A lot of the people who are watching this, um, who watch this film are all like, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Like it's never been discussed ever. Mm -hmm. You know, like, why don't we try and get rid of the super trawlers? Well, okay, you you like I I I like how they're asking these questions. Sure. But these like do you not think that people have been trying to get rid of these super trawlers for ages? There was there were it was in the paper, it was in the news. Australia tried to get rid of this like it was like a, I think it was like a Dutch super trawler that was going around the world. It was sitting outside the borders of Australia and Australia is like you are not coming in these borders. We will send the coast guard after you. Mm -hmm. All this kind of stuff. They talk about like how oh um you know, of course like I have to give it up for Sea Shepherd's PR team. They're good. They always oh, find themselves also, in these documentaries. Also, their boat is badass. Like it is. That is so like it like it's like out of a movie. It's like this giant like metal tank of a boat yeah. with like, teeth on it and all these speedboats. By the way, how many carbon like let's talk about oh, their carbon yeah. footprint. <laughs> but, well, and, and the thing is, is always like 
they don't do anything policy wise. They do it all. It's it's a, like and they're out there at sea. I, I give them credit for oh, that. They're working, yeah. They're they're working their butts off. They use violence. I don't agree with it. Never have. Never will. You don't ram a boat. You are putting people in danger. In the movie, like, well, no, nobody was ever hurt. How do we know that? They could just maybe they threw him overboard. And no one knew. <laughs> there was no there was no evidence to show that nobody was hurt. Nobody like you're ramming a boat at sea. This is not going to go well. I'm sorry, it's not going to go well. Um, you sank seven boats. Nobody got injured. No one. I don't believe it. Right and when you when you sink a boat, what what does that do to the environment? Yeah, you talk about all the oils and gas and like the metals grease, and everything. Metal. Yeah, I mean it's. Yeah, but and I mean they always. The, 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 the point is like they become the the savior of the movie. They're the only ones who can do something, and then that translates online to being like, well, the Sea Shepherd is the only one that could do anything. And I actually had this this back and forth with somebody uh, today on on Facebook, being like, I'm like, well, like they shouldn't have been. They're they're not. They shouldn't be heralded as the only organization that's doing something. And this is what happens when you put down one organization and you you prop up another. And that's exactly what this film did. They went after the Plastic Pollution Coalition after they went after the Earth Island Institute. Now, just to give you, I don't. Do you know? Do you know about the Plastic Pollution Coalition? I, I I I only heard about it in this movie. Okay, so they have been around for quite a long time. Uh, they use the Earth Islands Institute for their services to do the charitable status work. Okay. So they are a project of the Earth Island Institute. It's important in this movie because he kind of brings it back to this in his investigation, quote unquote, investigation. And, uh, but the Plastic Pollution Coalition is a, a coalition of over 700 organizations. And just to let you know, Sea Shepherd, Greenpeace are all part of this coalition. They're in the database, whether they think they are or not. Uh, some people have denied that they are, but they're in the database. There's only one way to get in there, and that's apply to it, and they're in. Um, and what they do is they there are a number of different organizations that that really work on reducing plastic pollution. That is their goal, right? So they have all these different people who are specializing in a lot of it's like microplastics and like plastic bottles and plastic straws and all the the plastics that go into it. So many. Well, this guy comes in. And Ali, this, this filmmaker comes in and he starts interviewing them because he's like, well, fishing nets are like ghost nets are a big part of the problem. And it's yes, they are a big part of the problem. There's, there's no denying that's one of the facts that he has. Uh, and he goes, well, I've been going on the websites of all these organizations and I come across plastic pollution coalition and because fishing gear is plastic filament. Why don't they have fishing gear on their website? Like, right. Why don't they cover that? And they ask them that. And even Gianna Cohen, who I actually had on my podcast, who's one of the nicest people in the world who've done so much for plastics, mm -hmm. uh, plastic, like, like fighting plastic pollution, uh, gets on and is like, this is out of our wheelhouse. Like, we are not fisheries people. We are not a fisheries organization. We right. She was super clear. Like, super clear. She was like, this is, we focus on these plastics. Yeah. And that's part of the fishing industry. So you're talking to the wrong person. Yeah. And, and then, then he like, kept asking the question. Yeah. Right. Well, what was said, the question he asked? Oh, here it was. He was. He says, "Would you agree that fishing gear is the is the largest volume of plastic in the ocean?" And she goes, "I don't know." And he goes, "Well, if I told you it was fifty five percent, would you agree?" And she goes, "Sounds like fifty five percent is a, is the larger volume." So you're <laughs> yeah. saying, "Yeah." So you're that that fishing gear is the biggest problem in the ocean right now. 
Yeah. And then he's like, why aren't you helping it? And she's like, it's out of our wheelhouse. Right. This why, is don't not you put what that, why don't you put that on your website? Yeah. That's not what we do. And then he goes to her boss. Yes. And he well, says, the co-founder, they're co-founders. They're co-founders. So it's the co-founders. Okay. Yeah. So, and then he, and then he tries to play the gotcha game with her. Yeah. You know, your, your co-founder just said that plastics are the biggest problem in the ocean. Why is that on your website? And she's like, turn the camera off and get out of here. And yeah. that's what you see in the preview. If you listen to the preview there, that was her saying, put the cameras off. That's her saying, cut the crap and get yeah. out of my office. Yeah. Because you're a hack. Yeah. And th that was her calling him a hack. And he edited that out. I mean, very clearly, of course. it was her being stronger than him, but him being a clever editor. Well, um, and, and the thing is, too, is like he, he one of the facts that he got wrong was that he says only 5% of the pollution is coming from like microplastics and, and plastic pollution. That's not true. That is just false. Mm -hmm. And and so when he starts spewing that, and, and here's the problem is when you have people who are watching this for the first time and, and really understanding the problem of, of the fishing industry, they are taking all these facts as gospel. Right. This is what it is. If, if this guy's saying it, it must be it. And of course, adding to all these images of fishery slaves, of pilot whales being cut open by the neck of dolphins that everybody loves to see. Nobody loves, like I was sick watching that. Oh, yeah, I don't like awful. to see that. It's, it's awful. awful. And, and then that happens and there's just blood in the water and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I get where he's come. Like, this is what he's doing. Like he's trying to manipulate the viewer into feeling hatred for anything that has to do with fisheries. That's I essentially think, what he's yeah. doing. And I, and I, I would wonder how many people he's moved with, with that movie. It's been very popular on Netflix. One of the top trending things right now. Um, it was just visually, it was filmed very well. It's beautiful cinematography. Mm -hmm. Like it's, yeah. it's really pretty, not, not the bloody parts, but, but the, the actual quality of it. Scenery, filming, yeah. Very well done. Very well put together. Um, I think the, the kid who made it, I forgot his name already, Ari. Uh, Ali, I think. Ali is, doesn't have yeah. any life experience behind his work. No. And that shows in the shallowness of, of the actual documentary. But the problem with putting out a documentary like this with so much the easily <laughs> debunked bits in it is people trust documentaries. Mm -hmm. They watch them. Mm -hmm. And they believe they're being smarter humans by watching the documentary. They usually are. And in this case, they may be learning things that aren't true and believing it because it's it yeah. looks pretty it's well done he's got a great accent well the funny thing is is one of one of the arguments yesterday in the clubhouse talk was well why why haven't the scientists been talking about this where have they been i'm like we've been shouting at the top of our lungs for decades like more than that i know you know there's so much to make a podcast that speaks up for the ocean blue maybe someday and bring up these fisheries issues you know no one's ever thought of it <laughs> no one's ever thought of it. Like yeah. nobody's talking about international policies and like, and there's been like the thing that the thing that bothers me so much is this movie could have been done in the same kind of light invoked the same kind of response of inspiration. Cause that's what it has done. I have to admit whether you agree with the facts or not, it has definitely inspired a generation of <laughs> people who have watched this to do something about it, to find out Absolutely. what needs to be done. The problem is it's, it's drenched in misinformation, false facts that people are now fighting over the way to do it. And right now, the only thing that people know and everybody wants, well, we got to make, you know, we're already in trouble. We got to make, we're in an emergency, state of emergency. We got to make a big thing. Everybody just stop eating fish. Mm -hmm. well, and that, I mean, that's not the, 
that's one way. If you want to stop eating fish, sure. you can stop eating fish. Well, it's in, not in the, the only in the way. in the utopian solution, that is the solution. Hey, everybody, yeah. just stop. Great. Okay, we're stopping. Easy. No yeah. problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, the <laughs> funny thing is, is the one that got, that one guy who who kept saying we need to stop. Why, why can't he was asking the question? Like it was almost like a loaded question. He was like, why, why can't we just stop fishing? All the fish will come back if we stop fishing. And I'm like, exactly. And like, and imagine if you did that in areas that are protected in certain areas that are important for fish reproduction. He's like, yeah, that would be great. I'm like, yeah. Called marine protected areas. They work. They have been proven to work. And in the, in the movie, they say they don't work because they allow some, a lot of them allow extractive processes, but the ones that don't have actually done a lot of good things. Didn't cover that. That could have been an entirely different movie that you could cover that in an hour and a half. Oh yeah. Well, and he also dove into fish farming. Oh yeah. I yeah. love that one. That was and, my favorite. And he, he showed the Scottish uh, Atlantic salmon farms. Yeah, and definitely showed lice. some pro- some of the real problems with fish mm-hmm. farming. The, uh, the 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 lice that the salmon get, it, it's awful. The waste that's produced sometimes is awful. The way you feed them, it, it can be a problem. But he said he basically said all fish farming is this fish farming. Yes, and there's so many variables within yeah. that. The other thing that mani- very manipulative data here too. I love this because I used to, to teach about Atlantic salmon. Uh, is he said that about half of all the salmon uh, fry that are born die before they get to your table. That's great because in the wild of a thousand salmon, one gets to be an adult. So yeah. if we're at 50%, man, we are we're doing, well. we're doing yeah. great. Well, like I, I thought, think, yes, finally, you know, <laughs> and again, like the whole aquaculture discussion could have been an entirely different, like a, a movie on its own. And I think right off the bat, as soon as I heard, like, we're going in, we're going to talk about aquaculture because that's supposed to feed 50% of the population mm-hmm. with the way the population is going. Yes. That's the design. That's the whole point that that fact has been put out. He's right. Let's ask some activists who are out there trying to ban. Now, look, there are problems in aquaculture. We can Absolutely. both agree on that. There's some big problems, especially open ocean, uh, open pen uh, type of things. We're looking like at invasive species, uh, bringing in disease, uh, mm-hmm. malnutrition, lesions, pollution, nutrients, and so forth. There's a lot of problems. It's, it's definitely not perfect. There are solutions to those, um, but they didn't go into those, of course. Um, but my my thing was, why didn't you talk to an expert? Like, why didn't you talk to a scientist or someone who has a little bit more knowledge than somebody who knows how to break into an aquaculture facility and show the dead fish? Right. I can sneak in and take pictures. Yeah. But I, I, that that's that seems harder than talking to a scientist. Yeah, and and like because because I think Andrew, if you talk to a scientist. The science would tell him, yeah, we got a whole bunch of dead fish over there yeah. and sea lice is a real problem. We want to come see. He wouldn't need to break in because scientists share failure. Scientists exactly. aren't embarrassed by failure. You know, everybody else seems to be, but scientists are like, oh yeah, there are things that aren't working. Let's go talk about those things because that's what scientists love. They love and that's that. what we try and improve. Yeah. That's right? where you learn is yeah. through that failure. And it's just a different cultural brain set almost between a scientist and almost everybody else. Well, and I think, and, and that's another point to this movie is you're right, is we share both sides. We're like, we share the, the actual results, whether they're good or they're bad. And it's perfect for a documentarian like Ali, who's like, well, if they're going to share both. I'm just going to show the bad 
mm-hmm. and I'm not going to show the good, or I'm not going to show any progress or any projects that have been that have been done that shows this type of progress. Uh, so I'm just going to show the bad. And and to be honest, this is why scientists don't speak to filmmakers. This is why scientists don't speak to journalists because they've been screwed over so many times, and careers have ended because of it, because they always manipulate it. And Look, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but one of the reasons why I started Speak Up for the Ocean Blue podcast was because I can have scientists on here and I wouldn't edit the interview. And there's a reason. I only edit if there's a connection problem mm-hmm. or they ask me to take something out after, like when I when I have them listen to it after. Yeah, There's a reason. It's, it's to establish trust and to show both the positive and negative because scientists are not afraid to show the positive and negative. There's no overarching narrative that everybody thinks we actually have there is none well you're not paid by the liberal media to or if the fisheries industry apparently like like the seaspiracy yeah yeah like i had you know you've been been bribed man well i've I've come out and and i've said you know i've talked i've i've critiqued a lot of this movie and i've had a whole podcast on i did another podcast on it yesterday and i was like look like, there's a lot of problems with this. And I've been on the boards and I've said, the problem is, is this doesn't establish trust between the scientific community and the people who want to do stuff. So now the scientific community is not going to talk to anybody. They're going to shut down because they're afraid of being taken out of proportion and getting their careers and lives ruined. Like you got to remember like uh, plastic pollution coalition, the people there have been getting death threats, like mm-hmm. death threats, earth Island suit. They had to shut down all their communications, all their comments because they were getting death threats. Like that is a serious thing for, especially all the stuff that they've done that has been so good. So do you think that they're going to come out and talk openly again? No, it's not going to happen. Not for a long time. And, and this is the problem you, and they were like, well, we're, we're the scientists, but what are they doing? We're in, we're in the workshops with bad catering and a huge like notepad writing down ideas together and keeping them all to ourselves because if we go to the public, they're going to get people like the Tucker Carlson's of the world or the Ali's of the world and just push their narrative because it's easier and it sells. Yeah, well, it definitely sells. And, and Ali's making a lot of money on this, on this movie. My favorite line in the movies was, well, you want to find out where the problem is, follow the money. And I'm thinking, Ali, you're making the money, buddy. That's exactly. Yeah. Like- <laughs> he, he basically described exactly what he was doing. And apparently, according to his friend that was on the clubhouse, he's making more. And so this is the problem. What the problem when these movies come out, they get like scientists come out on the defense. So it look, makes it look like we're a shill for the fishing industry. And that's what people say. Anybody who like, there are people out there that they're like, well, I don't trust plastic pollution coalition because all they do now, well, this is my favorite is why are we focusing on plastic straws? I'm sick of plastic straws. So are we. So is that turd, that researcher that had to pull the, 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 the straw out of the sea turtles nose. Right. You know, and then four months later, have to take out a plastic utensil out of the sea turtle's nose. Did he ask to do that? Did he want to do that? No. Did he do that? Yes, because it was part of his duty. Did a lot of organizations use that as sort of a gateway plastic to understand how like wasteful our society is? Yes. Did a lot of people gaslight that and, and greenwash that like Starbucks, you know, who decide, well, we're not going to go with straws anymore. Clay, no, we're going to have these plastic tops that are even worse and they don't even break down at all. Right. So we're going to go that yet all the or, people or you, who are, or you can, or you can go there and you can buy a metal straw from them. That's wrapped in a whole bunch of plastic. Yeah. <laughs> right. Know, it's it just doesn't make sense. And, yeah. and so people are like, Oh, well, why are we focusing on plastic when we should be focusing on fisheries? Right. And I came up with a tweet today. I was like, why not focus on both? Yeah. 
Oh, by the way, there's climate change, mm-hmm. right? And, and there's all these other things that are happening with the ocean. We need to focus on all of them. Like, that's a big thing. The notion that something is, is mutually exclusive, that you yeah. can't divide your attention. I can't pay attention to small stuff because there's big stuff too. Right. You know, think about your life if that's how you lived your life. Yeah. You know, I can't focus on my kids because I have a job. Yeah. My job is yeah. more important. You know, that's what they're saying. You can't, you can do more than one thing. Now yeah. on a, on a, on a fun side of the movie, we get near There's the end. Side? Well, my friend, Jonathan Balcom, Dr. Balcom came on the show. Oh yes. And I love him. Uh, he was on the fish nerds podcast a few years ago as he wrote the book. Um, I think it was what a fish knows. Yes. Uh, and it was all about the, the uh, brain power of fish and how they are smart and have uh, a sense of culture and family and community. I like. I disagree with Jonathan Balcom on on nearly everything, right. but I like him an awful yeah. lot. I've talked yeah. to him a few times, even not just on the show. Just talked to him, and he's a heck of a nice person. Um, and it's so like I was. I felt, hey, that's my friend on a movie, you know, when I saw him <laughs> on there. But he was talking about like they were feeding fish, and they were cutting up fish in front of other fish. And he was talking about that could be their brother or sister. He's oh yeah, that was my fit, yeah. back them. How do they feel? They feel, and I forget what he was talking about. But then he started talking about fish communicating and he was talking about herring communicating. And I, in my head, I'm, I'm bouncing. I'm saying, please talk about fish farts. Please talk about fish farts. Please talk about fish farts. And yes, he talked about fish farts, how herring communicate with farts. And that is true and awesome. That one of the funniest. Yeah. Things. And he, even he broke apart laughing on that. And I love well, that. I think, I think at that point I had my, my head in my hands at that mm-hmm. point where I was just like, you've got, You've got to be kidding me. Like, yeah. this is where you're going with this. Yeah. And he didn't fit in the movie at all. No. He was not put at in all. because he's Dr. Jonathan Balcom, New York Times bestselling author. Yeah. And he, his name added to the film. He didn't match the narrative. He didn't match no. the tone. He didn't match, he didn't, he didn't add anything to yeah. where the filmmaker was going. Yeah. I just liked it because I know him. And I was like, yeah, oh, well, for sure. Him. For you know, sure. Same with your friends are in the movie. You're like, I know. Well, yeah, them, like, know? I know, I know Sylvia. Not, not like, you know, in a very close, I know a lot of the people who friend. work around her. She Love is, her. well, she's, she's an amazing person. She's done a lot for conservation and, and to have her name associated with the movie brings a lot of accolades to the movie. But I wonder, it makes me wonder because Christina Hendricks, who was on the, the, there for like 20 or 30 seconds, she was taking a quote. She was not told what the movie was about. She was mm-hmm. just told that to do this interview. Um, and she came out and said that after. I had no idea what the movie was about and what I was being asked would, would lead to that. And so it makes me think, did Sylvia Earle know exactly what this movie was about? Uh, now, she's a little bit more um, uh, PR savvy. So mm-hmm. I would imagine her and her team would probably know a little bit more. And her position on... Um, seafood and not eating seafood and whether seafood's sustainable. I wonder how that was taken in terms of how was it, was it taken out of context? Now I know she doesn't think a lot of fisheries are, are sustainable. She doesn't choose to eat fish and that's fine. She's come out and said that before. Uh, but uh, you know, like I know she knows the, the, the complexities of yeah. everything. Well, and so I wonder what was taken, you yeah, know, I, I agree with her. I, I would think most fish I see in the supermarket, I won't buy because I don't find right. it sustainable. I, right. You know, I don't, I, I'm not going to buy Atlantic cod at the supermarket. I'm not going to buy wild cod Atlantic salmon from the supermarket. Right. Um, yeah. th- there's a whole bunch of uh, swordfish. I'm not buying swordfish. I'm not right. buying tuna. You know, there's a, there's a bunch of fish I'm not going to buy. But if I see Acadia redfish, which is a, is an eight-inch fish, that it's, just, it's the bait kind of. I always think, yeah. local, is it small? I'm in. 
you know, well, that's how I work with sustainability because those yeah. giant predators, that's the top of the food chain. I think that's a really poor move to pull those things out. I agree. I agree. And, and, and to be honest, that citizen science program that you were a part of, was it New England Aquarium, I think, that you were I, part of? You know, I can't remember who put it together anymore. I think so it was New ago. England Aquarium for some reason because you, you came and talked about it on my podcast. And sure. I thought that was such a great project because, yeah, you know, you update were- the listeners who weren't part of that it was a long time ago. I was part of this project where a bunch of us were every single week given a list of fish to go find our local supermarkets. We had to go to three places. And we and if we found a sustainable fish on that list, we were to buy it, cook it, eat it, and report back. Uh, and I almost never found a fish that was sustainable, even though all my supermarkets claimed sustainable fishing. And mm-hmm. there's a disagreement on what the definition of sustainable means. Yeah. And it changed the way I eat fish. Uh, it, yeah. You know, if I like, I'll eat a cod if it was legal, and I went out and caught it myself because I don't think a single hook and line is going to decimate an industry. Right. It, you know, it's it's the large catching and the bycatch. No doubt. Not that either. Yeah. Um, and so, and and I'm a big fan of eating fish that nobody else is going to eat. You know, eat the eat the bait fish, the cunners, the herring, the little guys that there's a whole bunch of. You know, yeah. they're. they're they're basically designed to be food almost and leave the big predators alone because it takes them a long time to reproduce. Yeah. But I think everyone has to come to terms with what sustainable means to them because it's, it is a complicated issue and we do disagree on, on all that. And a new list just came out of sustainable fish and the new red list just came out. And I'm going to invite, invite uh, Rhett Talbot to come back on my show nice. and see if he can help take that apart. Cause he has a very interesting view on fish and fisheries often disagrees with me on things and we are great friends and uh, yeah, Rhett's great, awesome. Yeah. I love him. So, well, the, and the, what I like about Rhett is he has the data to back it up. Well, that's why he's hard to argue with. He's like the robot <laughs> that ruins all your fun. Well, and to be honest though, like he should have been on the, he should have been doing the documentary. Like he, it would have been perfect because there were no numbers. There were no numbers saying what was being, why was it sustainable? My favorite was, my favorite of the movie is that they were going to, uh, they were going to the Faroe Islands. Mm-hmm. And so they were looking up information and it shows him and his girlfriend looking, uh, Ali and his girlfriend looking on, uh, on a computer and they were looking at, and it said like, you know, Faroe Islands, uh, pilot whale fishing. And it was him and it was <laughs> like the great source of Wikipedia was right on the page. And I was like, Oh, you're really hitting the research me, hard. It's <laughs> like, that's like, that's like uh science one one Do not get most of your information from Wikipedia. I'm like, give me a break. Uh, yeah, Come on, no, man. No journals there. So yeah, Jesus, like yeah, he definitely, uh, definitely, he, you know, he came in well-funded. He had yeah. money before he made this project. He comes yeah. from, uh, uh, I'm sure, I'm confident he comes from money yeah, um, for sure. because you can't, you can't be 22 and have that level of film success if you don't have the backing behind you. Well, and you're not getting that, you're not getting that um, level of quality of film oh. with a, an iPhone. No. Video, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're no, and he clearly fresh out of stuff. film school. Like he, he did, yeah. he, he, he film wise, it's well put together. Yeah. Storyline, art, not at all. Science, not at all. Not it comes at apart all. pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, it's going to be popular. It's going to blow things up. It's going to get interesting. The conversations are going to change. I don't think it's overall a bad film in that area because people will start talking about conservation, and I don't think that's bad. I think if we focus on having the conversation about conservation and sustainability rather than 
you can't do what you do, I think we do well with this. And I think that's overall, I don't think it's a negative conversation to have. So I agree. And, yeah. and I think it opens it up. Like I, I, as you know, I was thinking this after the, the clubhouse talk yesterday and it, it, you know, I was like, everybody here wants to do the same thing. Right. They want to, they want, like some people want to stop fisheries, but some people want, like most people want to stop the, the, the overfishing, mm-hmm. right. The, the big industrialized international fishing. And I think, it now it really comes to educating people on what is correct, educating people on what's happening in the ocean. Um, and, and this is a great plug to listen to my podcast, uh, but it's Jesus, also up the ocean blue podcast available anywhere right. podcasts are found. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's to really look at where you can make the biggest dent. You know I mean? Just like when people start to catch on to climate, right? And climate change. And what, what do I do? It's so overwhelming. Where do I begin? Mm-hmm. Right. And so now it's up to now, so this is where the problem is where you need scientists, you need conservationists to come in and, and, and we have to like stop feeling hurt, mm-hmm. you know, and stop feeling betrayed like, like this movie did to us. Um, but we have to, we have to rise above and we have to start engaging with this new population who wants to do something. Mm-hmm. Right. Is this the best movie to, to catapult yourself on? No. If anybody really wants, like any of your listeners want to really learn about what's happening in industrial fisheries, go watch End of the Line. If you want a great documentary narrated by Ted Danson, classic voice. He's a, uh, he's a, a he was one of the founders of Oceana uh, that, they, that they dog in this film. But that movie talks about the tuna industry, talks about Mitsubishi, which was mentioned at the beginning of this movie. And it, and it talks about like how corporations are really going after fisheries and everything. It's a little dated because it was in 2009, but not that much. And it's very informational. It, the fact checking was there. It was really well done. Go see that. You'll get a much better understanding of what's happening with fisheries and international fisheries. Well, and maybe, the, maybe they will, maybe this movie will get people interested and they'll look for other documentaries and they'll find their way there. I hope so. You know? I, unfortunately that one, you can't really get like, it's not on Netflix anymore. It used to be. And, and that's the problem, right? Is, is the accessibility of a lot of these movies are not there anymore. And these were the great, great movies that, that really, inspired a different generation, like a, the generation 2009. So that's, you know, millennials and, and gen and gen Xers and stuff like that. Um, unfortunately this one inspired, inspired a generation, but it just did it in the wrong fashion. And, and it was, it was full of, you know, bad facts and misinformation and that sort of stuff. But I think we have an opportunity here to engage with, with these folks, um, get over ourselves a little bit and get over sort of being hurt and, and had our feelings hurt and, and our careers being like basically said that we haven't done anything. And what are we, what have we been doing for the past number of generations uh, for fisheries? Uh, but really tell people where we're coming from and, and what, what has been like, what are people doing? Like, for instance, in, in, in Europe, in great Europe fashion, they actually hand out for fisheries policy, they actually hand out cards like yellow card and red card to different fisheries nations who export their fishing to the 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 eu and if you are a a nation that doesn't look after their illegal unregulated and unreported fishery and crack down on that fishery you get a red card so vietnam was in a red card for a while taiwan was in a red card until they showed evidence that they were cracking down on those types of fisheries then the eu opened up to more imports right so 
That's a cool concept. That's a that like you could have done an entire thing on that. China just came out with a new policy for their distant fleet. So b- before they used to get fined, right? If you came back, if you were a Chinese boat, a distant fleet boat, which basically means you can fish anywhere in the world, you could, would come back. Um, and they're notorious for illegal fishing. You would come back, you would get a fine, they would unload, they would turn around, they would go right back. Mm-hmm. Now the new policy, which, and I, I'm trying to figure out when it gets put in place, it's either this year in April, which is right around the corner, um, or last April. But the idea is that captain loses his license for three years and the manager of the company loses his ability, his or her ability to be a manager at that company for three years. So that's a big difference. Right. That's huge. All right. right? Now, Andrew, we're just about out of time. So I'm going to give you, uh, so I'm going to encourage all listeners. If you haven't, I should at the beginning, I should have said, don't listen to this episode until you watch the movie. But if you haven't watched the movie, Check out Seaspiracy. Join us on Facebook and have some conversation with us about what you thought about it. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? Are we too old and defensive? Do we just not get it? Andrew's <laughs> really old. Uh, so I got the gray hairs. Good, show. Young, you know, but he's older than you think he is. Uh, Andrew, what's your final thoughts on it? I, I mean, it, it drove conversation, not the right conversation, misinformation, bad facts, threw some great organizations under the bus. And I think uh, has a lot of, we have a lot of rebuilding to do after this, after this movie. And God forbid this guy comes out with more that he's planning. Um, I, I think, to be honest, if you're a scientist and you're interested in doing documentaries, get into it now, whether it be on, on uh, YouTube, on Facebook, it doesn't matter. Like do little documentaries. If you're a master's student or a PhD student, get into doc- making documentaries. That is where it's at. Like that's and, what you know, we need to do. And and your the new the newest iPhones take a beautiful movie. So beautiful. You can get some great quality stuff. You can even go underwater with them if you really wanted to. If you if you're brave. Yeah. yeah. You all kinds of good stuff. All right. So that's Andrew Lewin from Speak Up for the Ocean Blue Podcast. Find it anywhere you get your podcast. I got one final question for you. All right. How do you sure. feel about Finland? How do I feel about Finland? Yeah. Do you believe in it? Do I believe in Finland? Yeah. Like as a country? Yeah. You think it's a thing? Yeah. Well, it's it's a country. Well, no. Uh, So that's what they want you to believe. Now, here's what we learned about Finland. Uh, Finland is an inland water body. That is, it's not landmass at all. There's no land in Finland. It's all a water body. And it has some of the best fishing in the world, but it's kept a secret. Anyone you've ever met from Finland is actually in eastern Sweden, not in Finland. They've never been to Finland because it doesn't exist. There's a whole culture of Finnish people in Sweden, uh, but they're not in Finland because it doesn't exist. And the, what, what happens is, is, in, is Russia has partnered with Japan since the Cold War. This is true, Andrew. I'm, uh, I'm looking it up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't trust Russia, Russia has partnered with the Soviet Union at the time, partnered with with Japan during the Cold War because the fishing regulations around Japan were so strict. And so Japan would get fish shipped on the Trans-Siberian Railroad 8,000 miles to Japan from the water body called Finland. Uh, And we talked about this on last week's show. And on this week's show, coming up in just a few minutes, uh, I am going to be speaking to my friend. His name is Juha. He lives in Finland, claims to. And we're going to find out what he thinks about the Finland conspiracy. So that's coming up next on tonight's podcast. And you can wait and see what that sounds like there. I'm going to look at this. If you believe Finland is a thing. (laughs) It's a country, dude. Well, 
is it possible that people are as happy as they claim to be in this imaginary place called Finland? Yes. No. For sure. Yeah, they reach the top on the happiness index every year. It's a utopian idea. It's not a real place. <laughs> We're going to talk about that next in the Fish Nerds podcast. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Okay, Fish Nerds. I'm super excited. Last week on the podcast, I told you that Finland doesn't exist. It's not a real country. Finland is an inland body of water uh, that's actually a great fishing place. And that body of water, all the fish are caught and transported through Russia or Soviet Union over the, uh, <laughs> over the train all the way to Japan, 8,000 miles to avoid all the fishing regulations in the Pacific Ocean. This is a very common, uh, very popular conspiracy theory. Uh, we told you all about last week. And this week, uh, because I have friends all over the world, I, I knew that my friend Juha Solonen from Finland, which is name I say wrong every time, was going to come on today and uh, tell us that Finland is real. And I'm going to argue with him about it and try to tell him he's wrong. That's the plan <laughs> today. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Uh, hi. <laughs> yes. Of course, Finland is is. It's, it's great, real. great place and, and real. And real. You claim to be from Finland. How do I know that's where you are? <laughs> uh, how, how can I? I can. Uh, let's see. I have to try to find right words. Uh, right, I chose you because, first of all, <laughs> uh, English is not your first language. <laughs> your first language is Finnish, right? Yes. <laughs> and so I chose you for that reason specifically and, and, I, and because I want that real Finnish feel, that, that, that theoretically real feel. <laughs> so you're in, uh, you're in Finland. What, what city do you claim to be in? Uh, I live in Vantaa, near of the capital of Finland. And what's the capital? Uh, Helsinki. Uh, Helsinki. Uh, much we claim to, we claim it to be the capital of Finland. Yes, Vanta is the city where all all airplanes landing. Uh, biggest biggest air air field in Finland. In Finland, you see them land there on land. Yes. Yes. Uh, so the claim is that Finland is not there at all, and that you are really in Sweden. How do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how can I say uh, uh, Finnish people uh, love Swedish <laughs> people like, like, like in ice hockey there's mm -hmm. our uh, uh, yeah, Suosik uh, I have to use trans Google Translate uh, I love it Favorite resistance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so you have a, you have like a, a famous um, like rivalry between you and Sweden. A fun, fun. Yes. Uh, do you play hockey? Uh, no, I don't play, but I, I check. I, I watch hockey. Uh, we won our first uh, world champions. You're the champion. In, 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 in Tukholm, uh, 1995. And, and the finalists. Is our favorite resistance Sweden, and we won our first first champion. Well, congratulations! 
Congratulations. <laughs> uh, and also a little, little background. I know you through the fishing world. You are a species angler like I am. You love catching lots of kinds of fish. Yes. You what have your... right, right info. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite? Favorite, favorite fish species or yes. uh, fishing style. Uh, I, I love all kind of species, but uh, a miakka särki, mikäköhän it's... Uh, särki. Särki. It's, it's uh, uh, Google Translate, it's, it's saying it's sword shirt, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't think, I have to say the uh, Latin, Latin name. Uh, it's Belekus uh, Kultratus. Oh, that helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's great, great fish. But uh, uh, it's if I say it's uh, if it's small or big fish, I love to uh, the whole fishing trip. Uh, it's it's not necessary to catch any fish. I love that feeling and 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 make take take time to my friend and and that's what I like too, the same as you. I, I like the act of, of going of going fishing, just playing yes, with my friends, yes. catching a variety of fishes. And you've been in magazines too. You're kind of famous. Um no some kind of famous. <laughs> yeah so so this theory we're talking about today uh the claim is that finland is liquid is a body of water where the fishing is great now will you agree that fishing in finland is great yes we uh take all that uh we have uh thousand lakes countries and and we have clean clean beautiful waters and nature and and the Finnish Lapland the north side of Finland is something amazing and you have to come 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 and see it yeah that's what I've I've heard and and in fact you and I've talked about this before online is is how beautiful Finland is and I was reading online that Finland is the happiest country in the world yes yeah are you, you say you're happy <laughs> yes, I, I'm. I'm happy. I have great job. I have great family. I have great hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, I enjoy my life. I'm, I'm. I bet you do. And one of the one of the in the conspiracy theory of Finland not existing. One of the examples they give of why Finland isn't real is it's impossible for people to be as happy as they are in Finland. They describe Finland as sort of a utopia, imaginary, happy place. How do you feel about that? Uh, uh, <laughs> conspiracy people have to come here and see how happy and how kindly people fin- <laughs> fin- Finland <laughs> humans are. Yeah, the Finland, Finland humans are among the happiest. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, I know it's a kind of a silly conspiracy to pretend an entire country uh, doesn't exist. And 
they claim that the Finnish people like you who claim to be from Finland uh, don't know that your country doesn't exist. They claim that you've been lied to by the Swedes and the Russians your whole life. That's the claim. Okay, okay. I I born in Helsinki and I <laughs> live here in uh, 40 years. So I think Finland is real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's such a funny, uh, such a bizarre conspiracy. Mostly I just wanted to talk to you because I, I haven't ever got you uh, over uh, Zoom yet. I've known you probably five years, I think. Uh, I I think I have uh, maybe the only fish nerds caps here in Finland. That's right. I mailed you some a long time ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we'll have to Me and my you. daughter. Yeah, perfect. And they're warm. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, in Finland, you do ice fishing in Finland too, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, and that's my favorite kind of fishing. What is your favorite kind of fishing? Uh, I like the basic um, ong. They call in Finnish in onginta. Onginta. Uh, onginta. Uh, <laughs> lucky deep. Uh, it's like uh, onkiminen. Uh, angling. Angling. Angling without rod. Without just, a rod. Yeah, just only that. That uh, reels. <laughs> oh, so ten, like Tenkara style, almost. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Tenkara is very fun. That's one of my one of my favorites too. And I like to catch. I like to go fishing with with Tenkara for uh, very small fishes. I love to catch a perch or a, a minnows, that sort of thing. Did you ever try to uh, get small fish? Uh, at the night with the lamp like like you shine do you shine with the flight do you shine the light on the fish and then catch them that's in new Hampshire, where i live in the united states in new hampshire the part of the state country i live in which is by the way a real place um they that's not legal it's called jack lighting and it's against the law okay yeah but if if you had uh uh and hook it's it's illegal also you could fish at nighttime yes you can't shine light on the fish okay okay <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a funny law i don't know why but that's totally against <laughs> that's not the same in every state you know there's 50 there's 50 real states in our real country here um and you, there's different rules in each state in finland are the fishing rules the same nationwide Yes, well, we can fish uh, one license with all, all, almost all our fish fathers. But that. there's a, a, like a special place where you need different license. And if you like to fish uh, uh, like lots of road, you need different license. And so if you want to fish with more than one fishing rod. Yes. You need yes. a license for each line? Uh no, no, it's it's one license where you can get uh more rod. And uh you can fish without license uh, uh 18 years when you uh when you have 18 birthday. Oh, that's cool. 
Um, yes. Let me ask you one more thing about this conspiracy. The, the Finnish language is, sounds very much like Russian. And the, cons- the conspirators claim that's because the Russians invented the Finnish language. What do you think about that? Uh, I, I think our language, it's, it's not, not sound like Russian. Well, this was written by Americans. We're not that smart. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a friend who's, who's a, uh, he's a tulki. A tulki. Uh, Interperer. And, and he's, he's, he's make our, uh, Russian and our international, not national uh, marketing to our mm-hmm. fishing web shop. And when he is, he's talk Russian. Uh, no, 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 it's, it's not, <laughs> it's so far away with Finnish yeah. language. Yeah. I mean, that was my, my guess too, is, you know, our American ears are so, are so like, we only speak English, most of us. And we don't have like, like you speak English, right? A little bit. And you speak very very little, very little. You're doing great. And you speak Finnish, obviously. Yes. Do you speak other languages too? Uh, Nope. Nope. Uh, Maybe a couple of words of Sweden. Mm -hmm. And, but uh, I don't afraid to talk English, but my word uh, listed. So, so, uh, small so i have to uh, like doing like this and shaking my hand and tell tell it what i mean me too now, now it's easy because i have this google translate <laughs> uh, google translate helps it's pretty good now i tried using google translate from english to finish um and it doesn't help me at all so <laughs> so for example i typed in finland doesn't exist into google translate and I got uh, Suome I Olamasa. It's, 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 it's correct. Really? Yes. How is, how's my accent? Yeah, great. <laughs> 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try one more thing. I want to type Finland in. Finland doesn't exist. Oh, we can play it. Suome ei ole olemassa. Could you hear yes, that? That's correct. Yes, that's correct. I love it. So I could just talk yeah. to you through Google Translate. I can say hello. Let me see this. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> I speak perfect Finnish. <laughs> I like Google Translate. That's fun. I should use that more, more often. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that makes me laugh. So you have you have <laughs> you have a website. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You and it's um and it is Tiamese Tiamese. Uh, How do you say it, it? If if you like translate, it's it's a trout man. Like oh, trout man. Tiamese. <laughs> Taimen is a trout and Mies is a man. So man. I have I have uh Taimen Mies. Taimen. Oh look at that. Here, let's hear it. Taimen Mies. There it is. Sounds like Russian to me. 
And well, I'm convinced that you are a real person, and I'm convinced that you speak you speak real Finnish. Yes. And that mm-hmm. if you if if Finland and Sweden got in a war, who would win? Us. <laughs> I'm convinced of that too, because you have to defend your your fishing there in Finland. <laughs> Well, that's great. That's really all I need. I just need, I'm, I'm convinced that this uh, is a hoax and that Finland is actually there, that you are really there. I just wanted to say hi to you anyway. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is great. This is, this is, uh, I have to lots of uh, fishing friends all over the world and you are the one of, one of them. I'm one of them. And I, I think, uh, uh, I have to use uh, translate. Me too. Uh, I think we are a pretty similar people, like you. Like now, you you see that I we love lo- we love fishing and we love people and you you I I I think you understand what I try to tell. I think I do. I think it, I got it right here. Here we go. Olemme samanlaisia. <laughs> we are the same <laughs> um, I, I, I might have to make a whole podcast in Finnish using Google Translate that would be the funniest <laughs> the funniest show alright well listen I'm gonna, uh, we're going we're gonna to end this interview here stay with me for a minute more as I wrap this up okay wrong buttons I, the buttons are the hardest <laughs> so that's it you've listened to a bunch of fish nerds when you should have been fishing big fat thanks to andrew lewin from speak up for the ocean blue podcast big thanks to juha Salonen from finland supposedly and thanks to wally pleasant for making our theme music and until next time follow the code of the fish nerds spawn early spawn often Never trust a free lunch with strings attached and swim against the current every chance you get. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Just for the halibut! Fried in a basket or broiled in a pan. Eat it raw like you're in Siam. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast.